Welcome to Courageous Leadership with Travis Yates, where leaders find the insights, advice, and encouragement they need to lead courageously. We have an exciting episode today, and this episode is going to be dedicated to the news media. And we're going to dedicate a lot of episodes in the future and talk a lot about the media in the future because it plays such a prominent and unfortunate role in law enforcement because much of it is extremely negative and it's caused a myriad of problems and from what I can see is we have not done a very good job when it comes to leadership in dealing with this so we're going to have to address it obviously in more than one show but today I'm pretty excited because we're going to have really the expert in what I would call fake news on the show Dr. J.C. Che has spent a good portion of his life discussing the propaganda in the news, uh, how they do it, uh, what they do behind the scenes. He has an interesting uh, life story that we'll get into some of that. He's worked in the news. He's been behind the scenes. He's got his doctorate in strategic media, and he knows, he kind of knows the goods, so to speak. But what kind of prompted me to get him on the show uh, now is an article he wrote on Substack. And... I want to kind of mention Substack before I get to his article and how I found Substack. If you don't know this, I do a weekly Substack, and you can subscribe to that. I'll give you the easy way to remember it, yatesreport.com. There's a Substack address, but that's pretty easy. That takes you straight there, and you can subscribe to it. And you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get charged anything. I'm not trying to make any money here. But this Substack has been very powerful for what we're doing because it lets you really put in written form extremely detailed Information And let me kind of tell you how I discovered Substack and why I think it is important to what we're trying to do here in addition to this podcast. I didn't know much about Substack, but I found it when COVID hit. And here's how I found it. Uh, COVID hit, and of course, you remember this stuff, and it's still kind of going on in parts of the country. And I just saw a lot of information that seemed weird. You know, a lot of information that would change. And I kind of gave some uh, grace early on because people didn't know a lot about it. You know, remember we were saying, oh, you got to wash your Amazon boxes. And this stuff spreads all over the place. And and, and so we were hearing all this information coming from our government, coming from the government doctor, coming from the CDC, government-ran regulation agency. And it was weird. Like, we were first told, don't wear masks. Then we were told to wear a mask. Then we were told to wear three masks. Then we were told the vaccine worked 100%. Then we said, no, it doesn't really work. I mean, it was really all over the map. And I found it very odd. And I was trying to get a different perspective. And it seemed like everybody, including our government and the media and social media, was just saying one thing. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, hopefully, if you're a courageous leader, you understand you can never make decisions based on one set of information from just a few sources, especially if those sources are all saying the same thing. You know, you get two people come to you and complain about something. You probably aren't going to make a decision based on that. You're going to look around to get other opinions, get other evidence. So I ran across Substack because a lot of these doctors that had a different opinion had different expertise, were getting booted off social media. And I'm just kind of like, man, I wonder why they're getting booted off. Am I supposed to believe the narrative that they're spreading misinformation? Or 
Should I hear what they have to say and make up my own mind? Boy, I wish most of, more of America would do that, but that's what we try to do here, and that's what leaders ought to do is get all the information and then make up your mind to make the best decision. So a lot of these doctors ran a Substack because Substack was letting them write things, and they weren't censoring them, and that's pretty much the foundation of that document. And essentially, it's a blog, but it's pretty clean, pretty neat, pretty easy to navigate, easy to subscribe to. Uh, once you subscribe to someone's Substack, that's the olden days blog, I would call it. You get an email when an article goes up. You can have the Substack app, and and you can see the articles on there. There's a way to chat with the author on the app. We have that, by the way. So if you subscribe to our Substack, YatesReport.com. Uh, you can download that app, and you can chat directly with me. You can see our weekly articles. We put out an article once a week every Wednesday. But... Uh, these doctors, these articles were not crazy. I mean, these were well-established doctors. They'd been around for 20, 30, 40 years. They had been published hundreds of times in peer-reviewed periodicals. I would put that, that's a pretty strong case that's better than CNN, right? I mean, so, and they had a different perspective. Now, we're not going to go down those rabbit holes, but I really enjoyed reading their perspectives. And a lot of it made sense to me. And I think today, if we were to look back today, what we know Almost all of them were correct because early on they were saying, listen, we ought to be taking vitamin D. People that are dying in COVID per, per the research are lacking vitamin D. Hey, ivermectin. Hey, uh, all these other you know preventatives that we give to other viruses may work with this. Hey, the vaccine doesn't stop transmission. That stuff was getting them canceled off of social media, and they were going over Substack and saying it. And now today... That all is true. You can say that on social media today because it has all now been true. People have had to come out and admit that that was true. And so I found it to be pretty enlightening. So I I had this sort of naive feeling that we can spread the message of courageous leadership by doing seminars, get in, get in a classroom, give the principles, fire people up, encourage people. I love doing that. been doing that for several years. But I, I noticed uh, three or four years ago that – you know, I could probably reach more people if I wrote a book. Didn't really want to write a book, but I thought we could probably reach more people if I wrote a book. So I wrote a book. I wrote a book called The Courageous Police Leader, A Survival Guide for Combating Cowards, Chaos, and Lies. And that book has done very well. It continues to do well. I'm very proud of it. But that's not reaching the masses either. It's very difficult to do that. By the way, if you're thinking social media, get that out of your head. If you don't know what social media is, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all these places, they don't really send that to the masses. In fact, social media companies are so arrogant. You can like a page, but they decide whether you get to see the page, right? And so we know they turn the dial up and down depending on who the person or who the organization is. So that's not a really great way to get your message out. There's some people that use that for marketing and they have to pay a lot of money to get that message out. But we really want people to tune in to what we're saying and be committed to what we're saying. And so I thought Substack could be a way to do that. And so I kind of put it off. And here's why I put it off. I put it off because once I start something... I'm not going to stop. That's not fair to you. That's not fair to me. And that's not a way to build courageous leadership. So I knew once I started it, I wasn't going to stop. And I needed to make sure I have, I needed to make sure I had the bandwidth to continue it. And so in late December of 2022, I launched it and I kind of looked down the road in my career, my profession, my, my business, my life, my family. And I thought, you know what? I think I can dedicate a few hours every week to get an article on here, just one a week, every Wednesday. And we did that. And I was, I've been very, I've been very, very pleased with 
the people that have committed to uh, reading those. I mean, subscriptions keep coming in. They're totally free, and the readership is extremely high. You know, you can put an article out on Facebook. I know this from some of my work with lawofficer.com. They have over a million people on social media, and they'll put an article out. And I've seen behind the scenes before. Uh, the social media companies will literally send that to five, 600 people out of a million. And out of the five, 600, maybe they get 50 or 75 people open the article. And then who knows how many reads it. Now, that's not in every article, but I've seen that, uh, th- that the engagement is quite low on social media, uh, regardless of who you are or what you do. But on Substack, the engagement is darn near 100%. What do I mean by that? When people subscribe, they're all reading this stuff. And folks, I don't need, we don't need a lot of people to push courageous leadership, uh, over the top, right? You don't need the 51% of Americans or 51% of law enforcement. You just need enough people to be loud enough and strong enough to make this work. And so I've been very, very pleased with subscribers and the engagement. I know when I spend time to write something, people are going to actually read it and we hope that they help them. So please check that out over at Yates Report. Dot com. That's just going to send you over the Substack page to give you an immediate way to subscribe. Just put your email in, and you're off and running, folks. But I found this article, and we're bringing Dr. Che on today because he launched a Substack a few months ago. And it's fascinating, man. The first thing he wrote about was he went without a cell phone for a number of years, and he wrote about that experience. And so it's really a great, great read. But this last one he wrote that I saw, I called him up, and I said, i got to get you on, man. Here's the title of the article. Idiocy and Mediacy Defending George White Power Santos. Now, let me tell you about George Santos, because by the time you're hearing this, the media cycle has probably run him dry or ran him off or whatever. But George Santos was a uh, congressional representative from the state of New York. Uh, he just won office. And so he was in he went into office in early January. And he was the guy, if you, if you remember from the, the news cycle over a couple of weeks when they spent time on this, uh, once he got elected, it was discovered that he was not exactly telling the truth uh, when he was given his resume, like he didn't go to college and he didn't work for certain companies. He was just not being very truthful. And, of course, the media lost their mind. Number one, he's a Republican. Number two, he's gay. And then, of course, he lied. And they just focused in on this guy. And um, and you go, Travis, you're not you're picking on the media because because they're picking on him. Well, of course I am, because there's a lot of politicians they could pick on. They choose not to. So they're selectively picking on him. And by the way, I'm not going to get I'm all the political pundits discuss whether he should be in office, should not be. in office. I don't care about that, especially not about some representative in New York. OK, uh, but I do care about hypocrisy. And if you're going to tell me that the media is going to demand him to resign because he lied or a politician is going to demand him to resign because he lied, I'm going to laugh myself silly. Okay. Cause those are the last two uh, groups that ought to be telling anyone to resign because they're lying. And, uh, and so Jay writes this article because, uh, at the, on January, uh, 7th, I believe on the front page of Yahoo News, like at the top, you know, it talks about George Santos may be a white supremacist because he made the OK sign in the halls of Congress. Now, if you're in law enforcement, you've heard this, right? This is this crazy, crazy idea that when you when your thumb and your forefinger touch, oh, you are symboling white supremacy. Uh, it's 
ludicrous, right? It's insanity, but that's where we are right now. And what happened was is uh, they have a picture of him. He's, uh, he's in the House chambers, and he's raising his hand to vote. And his other hand is kind of on the side, and like you see his fingers kind of barely touching. Now, this is a still picture, right? So who knows? You know, it's, it wasn't, you know, this guy's probably just moving his hands around, and they, they get all these still pictures. I can imagine some editor behind the scenes with a hundred still pictures of this three second clip and going, Oh, stop it right there, right? We've got ourselves a, we've got ourselves a Yahoo News a special article. And here's what the, the headline says of the New York Post. George Santos appears to flash white power symbol in House chambers. Now, I love how the New York Post doesn't want to be sued for defamation because in the headline they say appears, right? Let's add that word in there so we don't get sued for calling this guy a white nationalist. Uh, but, but Dr. Che breaks this stuff down, man. And it is pretty incredible. Uh, I want to tell you where to, where to find it at. It's called Unthinking Media. Uh, and you go to, uh, JC Chase, J-C-C-H-A-I-X dot substack dot com. An easy way to subscribe to it is go to Yates Report, hit subscribe, and it's going to give you an option to subscribe to his as well because I've got him recommending his. It's so, so good. Uh, but Dr. Che breaks this down. Uh, like you've never seen. In fact, I'm just going to let the article speak for itself with his other hands raised up high in the air. Jay's like, well, why are you stopping there? You know, that's a, that's a sign of Hitler. You know, that's a high Hitler. How come you're not saying he's doing that? And, but what Jay talks about is impacts law enforcement because we see this all the time. Here's what he says in the article. I'm going to let you read it, so I'm just going to paraphrase it. He says, this guy's a congressman. He's in Washington, D.C., did anybody go ask him? Anybody go talk to him? Well, of course not. They can't do that, right? Because if they would have asked him, he would have said, that's crazy. Because it is crazy. So they don't ask him. And then they get to print their sensational article. Now, let me back up a little bit about this silly OK sign. We've seen this in law enforcement off and on. This has been made up, by the way. This is fake. Uh, you can go and look it up yourself, but on the, the group chat, 4chan, it's like a forum back in the day. They thought, you know what? These liberals are so triggered. Let's make this up and see what they do because people in their everyday life make this symbol. I know when my kids were in high school and they were playing sports, that was the symbol they'd make in pictures and stuff because, you know, for kids it meant okay or whatever, whatever it meant for them. I didn't care. Uh, now, all of a sudden, of course, you can look back on pictures from 10 years ago and go, oh, look at all those little white nationalists there at the school, right? Of course, that's why this was done. So these guys in this, this forum, I'm sure there were some girls too, they, they just went there and said, this is what it means. And it was really a troll is what it was. And, and what the media had did is they are now acknowledging it was a troll. They got caught, right? And they now acknowledge it's a troll, but then they doubled down and said, just because it's a troll doesn't mean that the white nationalists don't use it because they think we think it's a troll, so they're using it to hide their real feelings. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy. And this is this has happened in law enforcement. You're probably sitting there thinking, this is so crazy. This is going to happen to a congressman. It's not going to happen to me. Well, you, there's a Cincinnati police officer that begs to differ. Okay, You can go to lawofficer.com, type in Cincinnati police. That article is going to come right up. And he was literally walking through like a city council meeting. Just walking. The guy was walking past, and somebody took a picture, and his hand was down, and just in natural. If you one time you're walking and moving your hands, just look down at your hands. Your fingers tend to get close together sometimes, and his 
thumb and his forefinger kind of were kind of close together. And somebody went to social media and they published the photograph and said, see, there are white supremacists working in the Cincinnati Police Department. Now, you think that's insane. Well, I love what the guy did. He ended up suing him for it. And I don't know the status of that, but um, but that's crazy. And then, of course, we know a few years ago, uh, then Chief Art Acevedo at Miami PD, he suspended an officer because they took kind of a party pick after a drug bust. You know, back in the 80s and 90s when we used to do actual police work, we'd take photographs of the drugs and we'd have a good time because guys worked hard. Uh, guys and gals worked hard and they took a few party picks, we called them. Well, this guy took a pic and he, he was holding, I think, the drugs up and he kind of had this okay sign going. I think, I think what it meant was, you know, they had arrested three people. They had three kilos because he had his three fingers up. Well, that picture hit the media because they were questioning whether it was a bunch of white supremacists in the Miami Police Department. And, of course, Art Acevedo uh, suspends him, disciplines. I don't know what he does, but the guy made headlines. Acevedo said some pretty harsh things about him uh, And uh, from, what I, from what I can recall. Well, the problem with that is, is then shortly thereafter, a photograph of Art showed up when he was at his high school alma mater, and he was given a similar sign, Right. And uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Well, of course, Chief Arcevedo. So that's not what that means at all. That was our symbol in high school. Exactly. Exactly. Because context matters. What it means matters. It's why they wouldn't call George Santos and ask him what he meant, because they knew what he would say. And so we're going to bring Dr. Che on here shortly. But I want to give you a quick suggestion about any of this stuff, uh, if it is to occur to you or around you. And you have to understand one thing. The news media is not about news. They just aren't. It's not news. You may be able to find an outlet probably somewhere online that is committed to reporting actual news to you. But most of the corporate media, if not all the corporate media, it's not about the news. It's about what I'm talking about here. I mean, this story right here, as I'm talking about it, is all over all the major corporate channels. It's not news, by the way. This did not occur. In fact, I'll prove to you it's not news because nobody is even asking them about it, right? And so uh, it's ludicrous. But there is a supply and demand issue, right? There's a huge demand for racism and white supremacy and outrage. And the supply is really, really low. I mean, I kind of joke to people. I go, man, I'm being told there's white supremacists everywhere. I've been looking all over the place. I can't find them, right? Uh, it's just really insane. So it's it's in such short demand, we have to make up stuff with these little silly photographs and say that it is. Uh, and so uh, I know you're sitting there thinking that this may not happen to you, but it's happened to police officers. Uh, they're going to do this in different ways. Uh, it may not be this, it may be something completely different, right? We had a, we had a chief, uh, I forget what state, he was doing a Zoom call in his garage and there was a, there was a thin blue line flag in the background. You know, it's pretty innocuous, right? Pretty, pretty, pretty sane stuff. It's a flag, it's a thin blue line flag. The thin blue line's been around since the 1800s, honoring law enforcement. Well, he became a symbol of white supremacy and he is no longer a police chief. So this is going pretty strong, but let me tell you why it's going strong is we're paying attention to it. We are paying attention to it, and we're reacting. So let me give you a quick tip before I bring Dr. Che on on what we need to be doing. When this occurs around you, to you, at your agency, you don't need to respond. Like the minute George Santos says, I'm not a white supremacist, I don't think he said that. I don't think he said that yet. The minute he says, I am not a white supremacist, they win. Okay, they win. 
any response you have to something this ridiculous needs to be something like this. You are insane. All of you are crazy. End of story. I got work to do. Because this is all designed to, to get you off track, to get you off the mission, to, to, to cause disruption. Right? The minute you start apologizing for something you did not do is the minute they win. And that's my quick tidbit. We're going to talk, give you a lot more tips in this episode, a lot more tips down the road. I want to encourage you before we bring Dr. Che on to subscribe to this podcast, send it out to people that need to hear it. And then, of course, go to our substack, yatesreport.com. If you like what you see, I think you will if you like the podcast. Send it out to people that need it so you don't have to buy the book. Although it's on Amazon and everywhere else, you don't have to buy the book. You don't have to come to the classes. You don't have to host a seminar. This, the stuff I'm talking about right now is just as strong, but it takes a little bit of effort on your part. Hit subscribe on the podcast. Hit subscribe on the Substack and set back, read it, soak it in, and, of course, be courageous. And so now let's bring on our guest, Dr. J.C. Che. Dr. J.C. Che is an editor and educator with an expertise in strategic media propaganda, and media hoaxes, he often consults with authors and other professionals about policing, criminal law, and defamation involving broader issues of morality and technology. Dr. Shea holds a Ph.D. in strategic media with high distinction, I may add. He's a former managing editor, police officer, and firefighter, as well as an accomplished jazz musician. He's an award-winning photographer and media producer. He's also bilingual in English and German. And you know what's coming next. He's often been called a consummate 21st century renaissance man. And Dr. Shea is passionate and, and a staunch advocate for liberty, civil, civility, and media literacy. We are so honored to have you. And can I call you Dr. J? Can I just go Dr. J and make this easy? I think your uh, audience will appreciate that, Travis. Absolutely. <laughs> well, man, uh, it's awesome to have you on here. And then, and just so our audience understands, I've known you, Jay, for many, many years. We'll get into some of that. And Doctor uh, Doctor Shea is uh, began as the editor on my book, The Courageous Police Leader. But his his contributions were so powerful, he became the co-author of that book. And he is he kind of shies away from all that. And and it's, it's and Honestly, he doesn't do a lot of these podcasts and interviews, so I'm really honored to have him. But this topic is so important. Uh, we had to have him on there. And, and Jay, I think you're going to be a regular guest here, whether you know it or not. So I kind of wanted to start this off with kind of tell us how you got here, man, because you, you've done a lot of different things. Your bio is nothing compared to what I know you've done. Uh, you've been in and out of law enforcement. You've been in and out of the media. Uh, you've worked behind the scenes on a lot of cool projects. Just kind of tell us a quick journey on uh, how you sat here today. Well, thanks, Travis. Always good to talk with you, man. And uh, after an intro like that, uh, I don't mean to, to let anybody down. But uh, so, yeah, some would look at my resume and easily say, this guy's just confused. Um, the constellation makes no sense. Uh, I've had some of my critics say it's bizarre. Um, I'm a bizarre individual, uh, which is an accolade as far as I'm concerned. But there's always behind all of that the tendencies you know, the proclivities that people have. There was always something that had to do with skepticism. Whether you're a cop or an editor, you need skepticism. There was some form of getting involved in analytical thinking, whether you're a managing editor, a data analyst, you're making data visualizations, that kind of thing, being a cop. 
Um, so all of those kind of habits, all of those kind of proclivities that I had, where they just came out, whether that's in the law enforcement field, whether that's in uh, financial news or news, what have you, uh, I think that's just where I ended up at the moment professionally, uh, how I was earning a living, and not necessarily representative of the things behind the scenes that, that make us tick and make our personalities. Um, but thank you for that. I appreciate the intro. And so, Jay, it's not a secret that the media has been kind of anti-law enforcement, anti-the truth for many, many years. It's obviously it's on steroids at this point. But you know, I've been in the I've been in this business thirty years, and and what people need to understand is this has kind of always been the case. The media is always sort of we've had this give and take with the media. Law enforcement thinks we need the media. The media definitely needs law enforcement. But I, I think I, I'm just going to ask you, you're the expert here. I mean, does when I hear cops tell me the media hates us, my take has always been, no, I don't think so. I think they like money. I think they like outrage, and that's what gets them money, especially in the click world that we live in today. What's your take on that? Is, it, is there a hatred with the media and us, or is it just simply ideological, or is it profit? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, Travis, and I think I can understand clearly – you know, I remember being, um, you know, a frontline officer. Things would happen on the on the um, night shift. It either wouldn't get reported, or if it did, it was so far from the facts and so distorted. And I think the true problem there is the lack of a meaningful and sympathetic and kind of relationship between media and law enforcement. Not that there always was one, but that's extremely fractured now. In general, of course, there are some cities, some places where the news, media, and law enforcement work together hand in hand. It's great. Their symbiotic relationship couldn't be better. But by and large, behind all of this, Travis, is probably the problem. That is, news media is in the business of getting readers. And why do they want readers? To sell ads. That's the way it's been for quite a long time in America, we're talking several generations, introduced social media as we've experienced, and now it's just even worse. But I think what's happened here is, you mentioned a key thing, outrage, controversy, and supplementing facts, or even, if you will, substituting them, which this article that I latched onto here um, and responded to was really the epitome of that happening. And what I mean by that is, if someone wanted to report on the facts, okay, we have a U.S. member of Congress appears to make a hand gesture. That's a fact. And if we had good skeptical media that we once had, they would question it. And they would do that in the so-called objective way. Well, he could have been making this symbol. He could have been making that symbol. It could have been indicative of this. It could have been indicative of that. That's a little bit more fact-oriented and that would have been okay. Is it news? I would say not. Who cares, you know, uh, what this congressman's hand was doing or not. But the fact that that's tied to politicized and as a wonderful buzzword, weaponized, determinative kind of interpretation. No, George Santos appears to be flashing a white power symbol. is just completely crazy. And I think I've described it as idiocy. And by that, I mean, in the term, you know, the Greek 
uh, term idios, like where we get idiosyncratic and where we get idiot from, really means to one's own. In other words, you're being ignorant. You're only operating in your own worldview with your own preassumptions, and you're not going anywhere else. That's the true meaning of idiocy. You're stuck in your own way might be a good phrase for that. So the author of this article, and it is a news article, and that's the scariest part about all A news article that went worldwide, by the way. Absolutely, which makes it even worse, right? Um, Is really the epitome of idiocy in media. One reporter, a 20-something, I'm not going to go ad hominem on her or her uh, professionalism at this point, but... When she has an opinion and an interpretation and then automatically turns that into news and it gets released into the wild over little more than an interpretive appearance of what she thinks is a white power symbol, we have a serious problem of idiocy, one being stuck in their own worldview, um, and turning that into media. And, okay, in this case, it goes after a law officer. I mean, a, a lawmaker, but this is the exact thing that happens to law officers all the time. These accusations that go unchecked, they're just thrown at officers, whether individually or collectively, and nobody takes the media and holds them accountable for this kind of thing. Well, man, there's so much to cover here to unpack, and we're not going to be able to do it all the day. But I want our audience, because we have non-law enforcement audience. I think law enforcement is kind of keen to this. But obviously, the media has made their own bed. Almost no one trusts them. I, fall, I, I, I talk about that on my substack at yatesreport.com. I mean, they are, they're in the gutter. But they do still have an impact to a, a, enough people where it should be concerning. And, uh, and as you said, they do this to law enforcement. And, uh, and as, a, as an audience, as someone reading the media – I know when you talked in your article, a big thing to pick up. Like when I when I read news article, I tell my kids this. I said you need to start off with the premise that they're just lying because oftentimes they are. But there's a few key facts when you read an article, uh, Jay, that I know you're. I want you to talk about. And the first one is when you read an article that's purported as news, they may label it in the background as an opinion piece. That's a big one, right? That's one of them. The other one is, and you talked about it in your article, they will not talk to the person they're talking to. They will not interview them. Those are right. huge red flags that you know they're lying, you know they're building a narrative. What else can you add to that? Sure. And unfortunately, that's also become media techniques and acceptable here. Why could we launch such a, a heated, and I would even say hateful, but that's become a cliche nowadays, um, sort of piece? And it's not an opinion. It's filed under news, by the way, with the New York Post. Um that this person who is of Hispanic ethnicity by his own admission is somehow now uh, a sympathizer to, to kind of white supremacy is just insane in its own right. Yeah. But he's a member of Congress. He has staff. Someone could have asked someone, Hey, Santos, Representative Santos, did you mean to make this gesture in support of white supremacy? Where's the answer? Where's the response? So the biggest technique, and you're right, it's a red flag, Travis, is they are cutting out the person they are accusing. They do it in this case with a you know member of Congress. They do it with law enforcement all the time. 
And they also do it with victims. And we've lost the voice of the victim and law enforcement, if I dare may say to, to your audience, members in law enforcement have allowed that to happen. They need to bring the voice of the victim back. So another key thing about this, Travis, and, and you caught two of them, the red flag is, hey, this isn't an opinion. They put this as news and they didn't get anyone else's response to it. So it's completely one-sided. It's just the accusation. We hear nothing from the accused to counter that. And then worse is if we step back, and I, I don't mean to bring in another Greek word here, but if we look at this teleologically, um, telos, the Greek word is, um, it means like end or the purpose, right? If we look at articles like this and step back and say, well, what is the purpose of this? Why would somebody, why would a news reporter, a so-called media professional, write an article like this? And that usually gets you cut to the chase, what's going on behind the manipulation and the techniques here. And clearly this is just a hit piece. Now, I never thought I would ever go to George Santos's corner and stick up for the guy. Um, I'm, I'm not defending his lack of integrity. I am not defending his misrepresentation of himself as he self-admitted. But I am sticking up for the guy because he's being wrongly accused for something he may not or may have been doing. Who knows? He might be a white supremacist. I don't know. But when the media makes such an accusation and deliberately or lazily does not even dare to reach out to the person they are accusing of this and incorporate their response, we absolutely have authoritarian tyrannical media here in our hey let's become socialist american media i'm just going to go a step further jay and i, I want everybody to quote me on it and you can get mad all you want i think the media is the biggest enemy to the country the united states of america we've, we've seen in many many years i believe they're a propaganda machine we're talking about the corporate media i believe they're trying to sway narratives and sway and sway it their way and and that it impacts America and law enforcement in so many ways. Uh, I could, I don't think they've gotten one police story right, high profile story since I can remember. You name it. Ferguson, George Floyd, uh, Eric Garner. You name the story. They have made America believe one thing when so many of the facts are the other way. And it's created so much havoc. It's created so much hatred. It's created so much emotion. It's lost. We've lost billions of dollars in this country. Businesses are out of, out of work. People have lost work. People have lost lives based on what they've done i tie it straight to them uh they they are a huge problem i don't think they're going to change i know this interviews with you jay but let me just give me a second i don't think they're going to change and so we have to change number one our audience needs to change the audience needs to recognize what's happening to them now it's very difficult i'll give you an example uh, just last night we're watching a news channel and uh, it's fox news and they're talking about the biden administration uh, is going to ban, is looking to ban uh, gas stoves, which about 40% of Americans use, by the way, in almost every restaurant that wants their food to taste good uses gas stoves. And, of course, it's, it's, it's right there in black and white. It's in the bill. That's what they're doing. The guys said they're doing it right there on Twitter. And I'm looking at my wife, and I said, you know, the problem with America is you can go to work today, and most people you work with don't watch this channel, and you could tell them what you just heard, what you just saw, and they're going to think you're crazy because nobody else in the media is reporting this. 
because they, right. it's not the narrative they want to send because everybody that would hear that would think that's crazy, right? So you have a flat-out lie what you're talking about, but then you have the lies of omission where they pick and choose what they report on. It happens to law enforcement a lot. Like they'll, oh, he's shot by police uh, in a car because of a car stop. Well, they're leaving a whole lot of information out there, Jay. <laughs> Yeah, it may have started right. with the car stop, but it ended with the pursuit, the guy producing a gun, or the guy, you know, I mean, that's what they do. It's the live omission, and and right. they're not going to change, and I'm just going to leave that with you. When I say they're the biggest enemy facing this country, the biggest threat right now, what do you say to that? Well, I don't know if I'm uh, getting into a game of one-upmanship here. Never, I, never. Yeah, <laughs> right, between us. I would, I would agree with you. Except for one fact, and I'm going to go First Amendment here for a second, right? Um, there was a reason why we had all these so-called peaceful protests, right? Why do we need to use this cliche? Well, maybe it's the First Amendment that talks about, what, the right of the people uh, peaceably to assemble, right? In that same amendment, the first one, right, Congress shall not, what, make law respecting establishment of religion, abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Now, here's the problem, and here's where I think the bigger enemy is. It's the government. The government, as we know from, thankfully, to Musk with all the Twitter file releases, is manipulating, owning, seducing, doing whatever to the media. The media is now the means or the tool for the government which I think is the even bigger enemy of the people. Well played. So well played, my man. Right? The the government that governs best is the government that governs least. And I don't know where that idea has gone, but the media, whether it's uh, Twitter, Facebook, New York, what have you, any outlet, the amount of pressure that has been put on the media, which is now limited, we can count the number of, media owners uh, on a couple of hands, if not one or two. That is the machine that's being used against how and what we think about. And that's really at the hands of political parties and ultimately our government in some form or another. And that's, that's and that's where you get in. That's where you get into propaganda. And and by the Absolutely. way, great job on one up of me because you're 100 percent correct. And <laughs> when you talk about the government manipulating the media, it's in black and white. It's in emails. It's in Slack yes. messages right there on Twitter. Musk is releasing it. But once again, if you you have to watch one channel to see it. No one else is reporting it. So the vast majority of Americans on a given on a given night, there's three million people watching Fox News. So that's twenty. That's two hundred and seventy seven million people that don't know, right? And so no one else is reporting it, or they're downplaying it like it's no big deal. Once again, the the chain keeps turning. We just keep yeah. going in this circle. So it's really insane. I want to turn this over to law enforcement because this is not going to change. I need our leaders to understand that. Quit playing with clowns. Because you're going to make it a circus, right? These people are clowns. Yep. They don't care about truth. They certainly don't care about you, and they don't care about your community, and they absolutely don't care about crime based on them not reporting and telling people about crime. Jay, we have media outlets in this country that won't show mugshots, that won't talk about criminals, that literally have avoided it because they're trying to give the impression that everything's fine, don't worry about this stuff, and it is a danger to us. When you don't show, when you don't, when you don't do this stuff, you're creating a more dangerous environment. 
And so law enforcement needs to quit playing with these folks. And I want to, I want you to give me your, uh, your, your suggestions on you're, you're in law enforcement, you're running an agency, you've got media in your town. Obviously they've screwed you over or cause the media is in your town. I don't care what town you're in. You've had, you've had a few screw jobs done to you. Should we keep the same old, same old, okay, call the media. Let's do a press conference. Oh, let's send out a press release. And then let the media let's let's drop our our body cam video to the media. Let them use it. Should we keep down that road? If we should, how should we change it? Or should we just completely get rid of them and be our own media? It's on you. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think you covered some of this eloquently in your your book, Travis. But here's the long and short of that: keeping the status quo of law enforcement going to the media, using media to get their message out is not only longer sustainable, it's a form of actual professional suicide, if you ask me. How do you get someone to come back? I mean, and this is even if you have good relationships with your local media. There is no reason for law enforcement to engage in media, mediacy. In other words, let someone else tell your story anymore. If we go back to Sir Robert Peel, right? Police officers are the public, the public, right? There's, they're not different. They're not a different social class. No, police officers belong to the community. They're a part of it. And the community belong to the police, my man Robert. Exactly, right? So why would we now entrust communication in the community to somebody else, to some other entity or organization that has allegiances elsewhere to tell the story? When nowadays, with all the technology we have, I don't care how limited it is, any chief, even if they haven't picked up a a smartphone yet, can still speak more directly to their community members about crime concerns better than the media can. I would love for people to challenge me, come up with data and say, no, you're completely wrong, Dr. Shea, that's not even proven true. Empirically, I'd love to see the data on that. But I know for a fact, just in these type of schemes, there's no way that's going to work. There will always be a better, more meaningful, meaningful conversations to be had when law enforcement speaks directly to their community members. Yeah, in my seminars, Jay, I go into pretty great detail about this and some successes, one of them being in Hawaii where a couple of chiefs kind of got tired of being lied about. So they finally said, you know what? Let's just film a weekly YouTube live video. We'll answer all the questions. We'll give weekly updates. And the public loved it. And the media called them every name you can think of, including not being transparent, which that's, by the way, the most transparent you can be. And, Absolutely. And you're right. There's no excuse. I mean, we, we continue down this path. They are creating so many problems in your community, and we don't have time to get into all of it. But right. we need to start being our own media. And and what I what I tell people, honestly, behind the scenes, if I consult with an agency, I say 1% of your agency needs to be media. I mean, I don't care if they're police officers or former media right. or you hire the – 30-year-old girl that's aged out over at the local CBS affiliate and pay her, uh, give her a big pay raise and now pay her 40000 instead of the nineteen she's getting over there. But have them work for you, not to manipulate, not to lie, but to absolutely tell the truth. Whether the truth yeah. makes you look good or not, you tell the truth. And I think right. the, the why, why we're in a position to do that right now is, is a couple things, Jay. Number one, no one likes the media. 
the media is in the gutter when it comes to public approval rating. I think Congress is the only one below them. I think I think they're around 11% on Gallup on people trusting them. So no one trusts them. I mean, they watch them. That's the only thing to watch. But no one really trusts them. And then number right. two, there was this appetite from the public to watch things from the police. Look at live PD. Look at cops before, you know, they got canceled for being live PD and cops. Live PD was the right. number one show on cable news. Cable on cable network. Look, I mean, even the dog, little dog, dog cartoon was the most popular cartoon out there. So, <laughs> so people love to hear from law enforcement. And that's why Hollywood yes. make movies about it. So it all makes money. And so people, and there's a, there's a little, there's a sheriff's department up in Minnesota. And literally this dude, this sheriff puts a, a, a live camera in the front of a police car that has audio inside the car. And literally eight hours on a Saturday night, they just drive around going to calls, and you can hear them talking in the car. This thing's getting more views from CNN, and it's the most ridiculous B-rated thing you've ever seen. People want to see this stuff, Jay. We're not giving it to them, and we have the, and we have need- all the tools in the world. I mean, we're filming everything we do, and but we're not giving it to them. Yeah, and, and back to your point about transparency, Travis, one of the problems is you're, you're right. Nobody trusts the media, or they shouldn't, right? We need skepticism back in America as well. Well, it used to be 40 years ago, you could say, well, getting an alternative, in other words, another way of accessing knowledge and news would have been difficult. But now there's so many alternatives. There's absolutely no reason, like you said, for any department to be completely transparent, engage directly without the media, people in the middle, doing the interpreting and controlling the way communication is taking place and speak directly with citizens, hear their concerns. That's going to be more significant, more meaningful, more immediate, and more transparent. And why this kind of status quo is going on is beyond a paradox to me. I mean, I I know I end up sounding crazy sometimes, but... Absolutely, the media is lying. And the funniest thing about this this George Santos uh, article that I put together there, and I wish people could see the comparison to um, a famous postcard of Hitler from back in the day. You know, Santos and Hitler are are making almost the same hand gesture (laughs) with both hands. They both have these high white collars. Uh, They both have little circular pendants. I mean, the, the kind of correlations that are uncanny in a way. But I think both of them are actually just imitating somebody's Midwest grandmother. It seems like they're both just saying, oh, you silly goose, stop. Um, But why stop there? In this case, I think the New York Post article was just doing a hit piece on Santos. And unlike the idea of, hey, I think you've heard this, Travis, if you're going to lie, tell the biggest lie you can, right? I think you've heard that before. most people don't know where that actually came from in more recent years. That's actually straight out of Mein Kampf, the book Hitler wrote himself, um, where he basically says, you know, tell the biggest lie, the most unlikely lie, by the way, and keep telling it. Because people will find and create their own truth and their own reasons to believe in it. And that's how you weaponize it. And that's why he was. Yeah, that's why you've heard for years, Jay, how racist cops are. Racist cops are. They mix in Russia, uh, Russia, Russia. Right. They, they say things over and over again. And eventually the people that were in disbelief 
because most people are in the beginning, they, they start going, well, they wouldn't keep saying this if it wasn't true. I've, I mean, I've heard that from right. friends of mine that are pro-police. I mean, they're like, well, I've been hearing this for years. There must be something there. And literally, yeah. there's nothing there. And we'll get into that if you keep listening. Uh, it's it's a, it's crazy stuff, Jay. And, and I'm with you. I don't understand why law enforcement keeps playing with these idiots. Because yeah. the destruction is unreal, and we talk. And the reason courageous leadership exists, the reason we keep pushing this in our seminars and our books and our podcasts and our substacks and on lawster.com is this: we want police to be as great as possible. We want to have the best training, the best policy. We want to lead people well. We want to have. I mean, you're seeing the the downfall of that right now with the recruiting issues and the retention issues and the crime. Everything is is going haywire but you can be jay the best police department ever but if you don't communicate it the media is still able to do damage to you absolutely and let me be honest with you i i hated cops before i was a cop i hated cops when i was a cop and i'm a cop wife married to a cop and i still hate cops right but but you love her you love her right but but the alternative is frightening so I, like you just said, I want law enforcement to be the best that it can be as a profession. And I do not want to sit around in a society and watch mediacy happen or let's just say lie telling or untruthfulness become a substitute for opinion and then become news. This is not factual. This, this unfortunate article about Santos, sorry to keep going back to that. There is not a single fact in this. It is utter speculation. It's not even, it doesn't even make sense fitting into Hitler's game, which is even funnier. We have a very proud Hispanic heritage U.S. member of Congress who is now a white supremacist because he happens to belong to a party that one party wants to label as white supremacist. I mean, where does the absurdity start? Well, the absurdity so is all, all that aside. The absurdity, Jay, all is all around law enforcement. Because how many times have you seen? Well, this guy goes to an extensive background check, extensive training. He's been on the department twenty five years, and all of a sudden, he becomes this mad racist cop. I mean, we see that every day. All cops are racist, Travis. I'm surprised you didn't learn and know that yet. Um, and toward a great fact, I, I love when this happens all the time. Playing the game of statistics as well. We supposedly have this systemic racism problem in law enforcement, right? Um, and I've seen even college students make references to this. And then you bring up something like, uh, how does that work? Uh, for example, at NYPD, uh, they would say, well, there's problems with systemic racism. More than 60% of street officers in NYPD are so-called minority officers. 60%. So... White Caucasians like myself, even though I found out that I'm biracial, um, let's just say people who look Caucasian, who are Caucasian, right? The white supremacists of law enforcement, they're only 40%. So how does the majority allow them to just have these problems of systemic racism when they're not even, you know, the majority anymore? That's just absurd. So why any law enforcement agency would just keep the status quo with statistics, keep status quo with media reporting, keep status quo with allowing others to be in the middle of communicating with their communities. Uh, really, I'm at this point where I just shake my head. But it's courageous leaders, like you always point out, Travis, they're the ones that are going to make the difference and put an end to the silliness 
and stop the status quo. Yeah, I cannot stress this enough to our listening audience. Media relations, being your own news media, is not an option anymore. Like we used to, right. uh, 30 years ago, ah, we'll get the media if we can. Communication to the public wasn't that big of a deal. We were too busy with our mission, with fighting crime. No, no. You can do all that stuff at a high level. If you do not communicate directly to your public in a timely manner, uh, we're in trouble. And look what just happened, uh, I believe it was Wisconsin, where, uh, you know, the, the guy ends up shooting the guy that would come out with a knife that was assaulting his, his ex-wife or whatever. He was accused, I believe he was accused of a sexual offense. Before that, he was on probation. It took the department, it wasn't even the department, it was the union, took him eight days to come out and say, oh yeah, by the way, he did have a knife. He was grabbing the knife. He did, eight days. Meanwhile, eight days, we all thought he was the, you know, he was, he was Gandhi. He was the nicest, most peaceful yeah. man ever, right? So this stuff has to end because that particular department may never recover from that lie. Because they waited so long. We have all the truth. Give the truth to the public. It is no longer an option. Jay, this is, this is, we didn't cover nearly enough and we're going to have to bring you back on. This is, I cannot stress how important this is. And by the way, anybody listening that needs more on this, because I know Jay and I can tell you exactly how to set this up, exactly how to do it. We've done it for other departments. Contact us directly. Uh, and we'll help you. We're not going to charge. We're not here making money. We'll help you do this. We want to see a civil society, and we want to see honesty. Jay, how can people contact you? Uh, yeah, I think right now, um, crawling out from underneath my rock of being a ghostwriter for a long time. Um, so I do have a website, which is so. You, so, by uh, the way, you weren't Hitler's editor in that book you were talking about, is what you're telling me. Uh, n- no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I do participate in this century. I was born I got you. Like I got 50, you. Uh, yeah. 58 years ago. Um, but no, I did not edit his book. Yeah, well, he would have made you a co-writer like I did. <laughs> Goebbels, on the other hand, he would have been more. Yeah, can you yeah, can you imagine the media headlines if they listen to this? Because by the way, these people are scumbags. They're always looking for stuff like this. Can you imagine the headlines? Yates endorses Jay to write for Hitler. I mean, can you imagine these idiots? I mean, the, yeah. the, I'm telling you. Is it, by the way, is that insane? Because we have experienced it. It is that insane. Go ahead, Jay. How can they reach you? Sure. Um, yeah. So I do have a website, uh, jcshay.com. So the letters J, the letters uh, C. And then C H A I X dot com. Common spelling. Uh, that's probably yeah, right. Now listen, <laughs> they need to, they, to they need to find your Substack because the stuff you're writing on there is powerful. Give them your Substack. Sure. Uh, so that's the same thing. That's just uh, J C Shay dot Substack dot com. So again, J C C H A I X dot Substack dot com. Well, Jay, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I, it's a big deal for you to come on because I know, like you said, you like to stay behind your rock and work behind the scenes. That's how you work best. But, man, I think that the time is now. We've got to expose more of this stuff, and you're a huge part in that. I can't thank you enough. Oh, it's always good to talk to you, Travis, and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, always good to talk to you and your audience, man. Thank and the, you. And those of you listening, you are a part of this. We need courageous leaders. We need to get to critical mass. That's how we change society. It's how we change law enforcement for the better. Subscribe to this podcast. Send it to your friends. Tell them to subscribe. Go over to our substack, yatesreport.com. Every week we put out a detailed article. We'll get one to you on the media and how to set that up in future months but it's important we can't just be a listener here we have to be a participant and so i would encourage you to do that and lead on and stay courageous thank you for listening to courageous leadership with travis yates 
We invite you to join other courageous leaders at TravisYates.org.